Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast will include mature themes and scenes. This actual play uses the Delta Green role-playing game rules by Arctream Publishing. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your handler. You're all cordially invited to a night at the opera. Good evening, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your handler, Handler Michael, and we are back with our Prelude series into our Delta Green extravaganza for 2023. And I have with me tonight a very special guest. So please give us an introduction. Hi, my name is Tegan and I'm playing Brett Youngbuck. We are a field agent, a federal agent with the Naval Investigative Criminal Service, NCIS, out of Norfolk, Virginia. That's right. And just for clarity's sake, it's Brett Hawking. It is. It is Brett Hawking. I don't know how many people within the agency call you Young Buck, but maybe a few of them. I'm working on it. I'm going to get them all to call me Young Buck. So your auspicious career starts pretty early then. It does. I am 24. I am straight off of active duty as a master at arms in the United States Navy. I spent those four years working there in Norfolk in the shipyards there. I used tuition assistance. I got my degree in my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And then I had a connection with a retiring chief that already was working for NCIS. And they got me in the door as a young GS. I'm happy to be there. I've been in for about two years with them. So I'm just ending my probationary period. After that, in just the next month or two, I should be set. If I want to stay in CIS for the rest of my career and get a pension, I'll be able to do it. Really hard to fire government workers after you make it past your probationary period. So I think I am set. Excellent. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your life Brent, the people who surround you, the fun things that you like to do so the audience can get in more of a fleshed out idea of who Brett is. No, absolutely. Well, Brett's from Phoenix, Arizona, and that's where they develop their absolute love and their family too. Their entire family are Phoenix Suns fans. 100%. Charles Barkley all the way. Brett picked up an instrument while in uh, on active duty, learned bass guitar, played with a ship amateur band. They love surf rock. They grew up, their mom was always playing like Beach Boys for them. And so they got a taste for it. They do a D&D group. Oh. They started doing that when they were on active duty. And they have a group there in Norfolk where they meet up for pizza and beer. They participate in a local rotating GM kind of night, one shots, kind of casual second ed D&D group. Their parents still live back in Phoenix. And they met this fantastic gal named Beth a year or so ago. And now she's his fiance. 
They are hoping to soon get married, get a little house there in Norfolk, and maybe have a couple of kids soon. It's a great starter marriage. Right. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing what happens as their life evolves here. Oh, yeah. Long, happy life. Certainly. You are checking into the office this morning. So as we raise the curtain tonight, the year is 1995. It is mid-April. The uh, weather here so far has held for the most part. Some bands of rain obviously have come through in the past couple of weeks, but honestly, it's mostly blue skies, some overhead clouds that occasionally get in the way of the sun, but as far as spring goes, this has been pretty fantastic. What would you say Brett's daily grind is like? When he gets into the office in the morning, what's the first couple of things that he's after? Well, he's getting in the office probably about 6 a.m., so he doesn't have to park so far away from the building. The first thing he's doing every morning is getting a cup of black coffee in a little styrofoam cup with a little packet of sugar. They're going to their desk. They're seeing if there's any memos or anything new that's been dropped off on their desk. They're checking in with their coworkers, and then pretty much the first thing, if it's a Monday morning, is they're going to have like a 7 a.m. brief, you know, that they're going to have to attend with the rest of their office workers on, you know, whatever's going on for the day or whatever's going on for the week. Just to recap, what cases they have been working on or what cases might be open that they might be getting put on, stuff like that, kind of checking in with office gossip. Okay. During your morning briefing, you are alerted to a potential change in a case that uh, has been working for the past couple of weeks. The office locally here has been working up a case on what they believe could be a domestic issue. Yeah, so you get something that has been elevated relatively recently. It's a petty officer that has run into some domestic issues. This is not a first-time occurrence. Reading over the brief and getting sort of up to speed on it, it looks like it's something that got squashed by someone at a higher level a couple of years ago. It got resolved. I use air quotes when I say resolved. But it's recently come to the attention of the office here that this, his name is uh, Alexander Garcia. That Garcia's had another issue at a restaurant, Ocean Blue. It's a seafood and Cajun boil place here in the Norfolk area. And they got a call from the owner that there was a verbal and then physical altercation with the woman they were with. This did not appear to have been the first time, as far as the report says, from the restaurant owner. They've been in here a couple of times. There's been some issues. He ended up calling local PD about it. And it eventually got shuffled up to you, given the status of the person involved. No, absolutely. Have I talked to this individual before? You said this is a repeat case. You have not talked to them personally. They are a petty officer second class. Garcia is somebody who, outside of a couple of incidents, which have been clearly now made public, only one has actually hit their record. They have a fairly reasonable work history. There's nothing on their record that shows any sort of insubordination or any write-ups. There's no real commendations. There's a couple things that looks like they did back 90, 91 that got them what they needed to continue their progress up the ladder. 
There's a lot of E5s in Norfolk and everything. I mean, he's probably one of several dozen fuck-ups in this particular area here. I mean, these, these aren't uncommon. Sometimes they just need to be scared straight. Sometimes it's a more serious issue. And at that point, we have to get involved. You know, it's a real melting pot from all over the country out here. You know, you got kids from Alabama mixing with kids from Chicago, mixing from kids from California, mixing kids from Iowa. Right. And they're all children. I mean, really, E5, he's probably still in his early 20s. He's probably about the same age as me. He probably is. And it's interesting, too, because you see the trajectory of his career and the different angles the two of you are on. And you're in a lot better position than he is at the moment, just given your potential job prospects. And if this is the second incident that is being brought to NCIS, then he's a reoccurring problem at this point. He didn't learn the first time. Yeah, this is not going to be good for him. All right. Yeah. What does my branch chief want me to do today? Do they want me to head down there and go talk to him? So what you know, based on the paperwork in front of you and what the chief is telling you is they have put him on um, leave for a couple weeks to sort things out. They've sort of told him that it's best if he doesn't report for a week, uses up vacation or sick time, goes, clears his head, etc. Any number of paperwork-based excuses that his bosses can come up with to make sure that he doesn't go to work. You get 30 days a year, you use them. You might as well use them, exactly. And so what you know is that he has a place, not but probably 25, 30 minutes or so from your office. And uh, the idea the chief has is just to roll and talk to him, figure out what the hell is going on. Maybe the first step is to talk to this kid and scare him straight and make sure that he's got things sorted out. And then if there is obvious evidence of domestic abuse, then you're going to have to decide what's best. I'm not going to take a coworker or anything. This is this is low level. I'm not going to waste anybody's time. Not with staffing how it is. So I'm I'm just going to roll over there by myself. I've got my badge. I've got my M9. I'll be fine. I'm not super worried about this kid going off on me. If I need to, I'll call for backup, but I'm thinking I'm just going to go talk to him. I mean, it's probably just like you said, somebody that needs to get scared straight. I'll hop in my government vehicle with my shiny government vehicle plates. Oh, God, what would it be? It's got to be a Ford Taurus. Yeah, might just be... I mean, yeah, they're like four-door, right? Yeah, four-door sedan, very popular in government circles and in police circles. American-made, as God intended. You probably have the upgraded V8 engine, so this is probably either a former police car or one that will eventually be a police car (laughs) as things go. I'm going to roll up on the place... Before I go knock, is this his residence? Yeah, this is his residence. Uh, he lives off of uh, Cary Avenue. All right, is it like a shitty apartment or? It is. This is something you're familiar with because you know a lot of guys that were enlisted that were on lower levels. They seem to pack into these sort of six pack brownstone apartments where there are an upper and a lower here and, and an upper lower in the center and an upper lower on the right. And they've got, you know, in you know window air conditioners and there's probably a garbage can that has like, I don't know, 25, 30 bottles in it. 
Oh, absolutely. It's not the uh, the nicest place to stay. Obviously, you and Beth live in a much nicer place. But yeah, it's a place to stay. And for the wages that Garcia makes, it's perfectly fine. He's probably got a roommate. Can I see on his record, is he married or anything like that? Or is he single? He's single as far as the uh, Navy is concerned. Yeah, they get married as soon as they can because it'll get them off base. But if they've got roommates or something like that and they can afford to do it, then they'll just kind of pile in together. And how old is he? Uh, He's 24. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, that works. Yeah, I got my badge on my hip. I'm just wearing a gray suit. Let's see, what time of what part time of year is it? It's April. It's April? Okay. Yeah, a light gray suit with a thin black tie. Badge on hip. I mean it rains a lot here, so I got one of those uh metal clipboard that kind of has an enclosure built into it and everything. No, I'll go ahead and walk up and just give a back of the knuckle wrap on the door. Okay. Yeah, you walk up to the resident. It looks like his is one of the middle doors. Two doors on your left, two doors on your right, and then three doors in the middle. You're not exactly sure what for. One of them is probably a maintenance or uh, something like that. Uh, There's a small single flight of stairs that leads up to the door. His door is blue with white trim, and you can hear cartoons on in the window. Out front, you do see a couple of um, toddler bikes one is red with yellow specks and it's got training wheels and then the other one is a huffy a little larger of a bike no training wheels a neon green seat and then it's got the green handlebar plastic or foam covers on the sides with the ends have been ripped off at some point it seems and uh, you rap on the door you hear a woman's voice inside say there's somebody here and then You don't hear anything else. The cartoons seem to get a little louder and then maybe dim. And then you hear a man's voice deeper within the apartment. You can sort of hear him, the voice coming towards you as if through a tunnel. And you hear, I'm I'm coming, I'm coming. I just patiently wait. Hear the chain move on the door. And you hear, turn that shit down, hang on. The door opens and... You are beset upon by a shirtless man, mostly tan, likely Latin descent, very clean cut, except for a day or two less shaved, shirtless, wearing shorts. He looks like he has flip flops on. He's tattooed a couple places, mostly collarbone and bicep. These are tattoos likely that were done by someone with a shaky hand. They're not very clear. And uh, he scratches his stomach for a minute and you see him through a little bit of bloodshot eyes say I help you morning petty officer Garcia he straightens sort of reflexively up a little bit and uh, stops itching his stomach yeah that's me did I catch you at a bad time no 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 you know I took the day off no that's good that's good. Heard you got into a bit of trouble not too long ago. I was wondering if you had a couple minutes to uh, tell me about what's going on and see if there's anything I can do to help you. He takes a really deep inhale and you see him try to clear his nasal passages. 
Yeah, just misunderstanding. I don't think uh, I introduced myself. My name is uh, Agent Hawking with NCIS, and that's when I'll just kind of just kind of brush my jacket back from the badge just a little bit. You're not going anywhere. You're not going in. Just here to have a conversation. Just to hear your side of it. You can see his head sort of roll around a bit on his shoulders. Like, you are the last person that he wants to see today. He steps back from the door and sort of gestures inside. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and absolutely, if I'm being invited inside and I don't even need a warrant or anything, I'm stepping inside and I'm using my training to just be observant about what I see, what I hear, what I smell. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sniffing out for narcotics or anything like that, alcohol, sweat, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so stepping into the apartment here, it is as glorious as you could imagine. There is likely 10 to 12-year-old carpeting, linoleum in the kitchen. There is a electric stove with a couple of burners. This is a fairly, probably cheap apartment. But again, given the location, they probably pay way more than it's actually worth. Yeah. The refrigerator you're imagining probably has a year or two left on it because you can hear the ticking that's going on inside from some of the compressors as it's trying to turn over to continue to cool what's inside. There are a couple of bowls out on the table nearby that look like they have leftover cereal. You haven't seen any kids, but those bowls are definitely for kids. Uh, On the couch to your left as you enter, there is a young woman And she is probably four to five months pregnant. She has super curly hair. goes down beneath her shoulders. It's likely seen better days given the humidity that's in the air right now. She's wearing just a tank top and shorts. And when you walk in, she stands up and gets ready to go elsewhere. Like, she doesn't rabbit bolt, but she does not want to be in this room. That's fine. I'm going to immediately introduce myself to her as well in an attempt to get her name in just the most polite fashion. So you step uh, across basically about four or five feet. You what? stick your hand out. What do you do? I just say, morning, ma'am. I'm uh, and I say again, you know, I'm Agent Hawking with the NCIS. How are you doing today? Oh, oh, oh uh, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. She almost seems to, she flinches a little bit when you extend your hand. Yeah, I'm looking for any noticeable bruising or anything. I notice the flinch. You don't see any bruising. Uh, She has a lot of hair and uh, she also has makeup likely left on from last night. And she says, uh, I'm I'm Megan. Good morning, Megan. Megan Ferguson. I'll just go ahead and just hand her my card. She takes it. So just has my name on it. It has a little NCIS badge logo on it. It has my phone number. Uh, just because if it's a domestic abuse case and she wants to get out of there, now she's getting out of there with my phone number. So if she needs to call the office, if there's something that she wants to say without being in front of an abusive partner, 
she'll immediately have my contact information and he can't really stop her from taking my card at this moment without giving me some sort of signal. So I feel pretty confident in my ability to hand her that card. Yeah, why don't you give me a human roll as your opener and see if there's anything else you could potentially glean from this. Okay, I have 60 in human. Oh my God, really? I have rolled a 75 over 60. You don't glean anything additional from what you see. So what you see is, and and I've described as what you get. Megan leaves the room and she heads down a very short hallway to a back bedroom and closes the door. No, she, but she's staying here. Yeah, she's just going to the back bedroom. She's not leaving the apartment. I'll turn to Garcia and I say, is uh, that your girlfriend? Fiance? Girlfriend. He sort of says with a, a slight smile. Well, I'm thinking in my head, she's visibly pregnant, you know, giving birth in a few months. He's active duty. It would be a fantastic option for them to get married pretty soon, especially if they wanted to get access to benefits and TRICARE, especially to cover those birth costs. This is not an uncommon story in this area at all. So Garcia comes in and and sits down and sort of gestures to the couch. He asks if you uh, want want something to drink. No, no, no. Thank you. I got my coffee right here. And I do. I still have my little styrofoam cup. The little tiny thick styrofoam cup which I apparently I have a habit of chewing on so there's like teeth marks in the styrofoam cup like the little ones you see at like a church service so uh what do you want to know well I heard that you were at a restaurant at a character quick was that you said it was last night it was two nights ago technically what day of the week is it uh, we'll say it's a Thursday so this would have been a Tuesday it happened on I heard you went to a restaurant on Tuesday and there was a bit of an altercation or problem with uh, management there and uh, they made a complaint with the base and it's just part of my job. Basic due diligence. Come out, get the rest of the story, get it down on paper. Helps cover my ass, helps cover your ass. I mean, I'm happy to tell you everything I told the cops. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Just tell me everything that you told the cops, everything that you remember. Well, the problem started with Joel, the owner. You see, Megan and I have been going to that place for, I don't know, a year or two. We looked for a place to eat that was, you know, cost-effective, right? And uh, we found it, and we've been going to this place for a couple of years now. And Joel has always been really good to us past couple weeks it hasn't been like that we used to go out there every friday for the boil i went to the bathroom a couple weeks ago and when i came out he had his hands on megan i didn't take kindly to that when you say he had his hands on megan can you be more specific about what you observed yeah he uh, he goes in to describe essentially when he was coming out of the bathroom it looks like he he saw joel serving their food, bringing their food out to their table. And Joel touched her shoulder and sort of gave it a squeeze. And Garcia says, I didn't react well well to that. I told Joel to keep his fucking hands off of her. I see. And I had a couple drinks. Sure. Yeah, whatever. But it's still not okay. And she wasn't okay with it either. And so we were there a couple of nights ago, just trying to have something to eat. 
And he comes out and he starts getting loud with me about what happened a couple weeks ago. And I told him that it wasn't a big deal as long as he just learned the lesson that I tried to teach him last time. And then he lays this on me. He says, he and Megan go way back. She's from around here. They evidently go back since high school. They know each other. He means like they know each other. Is this uh, your choice or her choice of restaurant? It was my choice. She just never complained about it. Was that the extent of the conversation that you had with him? No, things get loud, right? He gets in my face and he says that she's not over him. And I said that it doesn't really matter because she's with me. She gets up. She gets in the way of the two of us. I get ready to deal with Joel right there on the floor. And I get ready to swing and I accidentally hit her elbow. He sort of points to his collarbone. She goes down in a heap. Joel and I screw around on the floor trying to figure out how we're going to solve things. They call the cops. Did the cops take statements? Did they end up taking Joel or you or anybody uh, to jail that night? Or what did the cops decide to do? They took statements. They asked Joel if they, he wanted to press charges. Joel said that it didn't It didn't matter to him. They just wanted me out of the restaurant. Are you intending to stay out of that restaurant? Yeah. I am now. I'm not Shore Patrol. I'm not here to tell you what you can and can't do. I'm just trying to understand what your motivations are and what your intentions are. She can't stop talking about it. That's the problem. That's what I'm dealing with right now. She's highly emotional and she keeps crying about it. Garcia, your girlfriend is pregnant. You just got in an altercation that involved, apparently, one of her former romantic partners. Maybe it'll calm down over time. The question is, what are you going to do? He takes a a minute and reaches down, pulls out a cigarette and lights it. I'm going to take my three or four days of leave and I'm going to try to not think about it. I got a kid coming. I can't have problems. I got to still try to sort out how we're going to get married before all this happens. Yeah? Have you talked to your chain of command about that? Not yet. I mean, they know about Megan. Is she a U.S. citizen? Yeah. What do you do in the Navy? What do you do? I'm a gunner's mate. Okay. Well, GM2, what I'm going to tell you, you want to lay low and keep off of people's radar you have a name in a file right now you have a career in front of you you have a lovely fiance and a child on the way and that needs to be at the forefront of your mind and I'm not here to give you a lecture I'm just here to remind you of those obligations that you have so that you can keep your nose clean. This incident, as you described it, can be the end of this incident. What do you think about that? It sounds good to me. Well, I'm going to have to go over there and I'm probably going to have to talk to the restaurant and talk to them, get their side of the story. I wouldn't get too worked up. Make sure you are staying in communication with your chain of command, be there on time, do your job, come home. He smiles. 
come home. And she's all I got. Give me a alertness roll. Alertness roll. I got 50% in alertness. All right, we got a success. We have rolled an 18 under 50. You notice on Garcia's right hand, there is a red mark, uh, a bandage of some sort. It's a thin bandage. The bandaid he has on it isn't very good. This looks like a, a home bandaid that was used. Basically, there's a there's a little bit of a probably bounty paper towel with some tape that's around his right hand, um, and it looks a little strange. So what? Uh, hey Garcia, hey GM two, what happened to your hand? Oh, so during that fight with Joel, he sort of flops his right hand around a little bit, and uh, he goes, uh, "I got a couple of swings in, and when I did." I hit something he had he had a necklace or something on and uh when I pulled back to get the next hit in it came right off his body and so I kept it you know like a trophy he said he smiles real bright well, you, you kept the necklace oh yeah do you have this necklace I do I do he hops up from the uh couch I'm going to reach into my pocket and Hopefully, in there, I have an evidence bag of some sort. You do? That's good. I'll go ahead and flick that open with one hand. He brings back this silver chain, right? And there's a square on the end. Looks like a pendant. It's no bigger than a little bit bigger, maybe, than a postage stamp. And he drops it in there and he's like, I have no idea what in the world it is. Maybe you can make heads or tails of it. I've never seen anything like it. I gotta tell you, GM2, after you get in a fight, maybe you shouldn't take something from the person that you just got in a fight with. So what I'm gonna have to do is I'm gonna have to take this object from you. And what I'm hoping is that this can be returned to its owner and that for your sake, you won't be charged with theft. As far as your hand goes, and I want to kind of like take a look at the wound on his hand. Mm -hmm. Does he look okay? Because I need to know whether I need to like recommend that he goes into like the clinic or something like that. We want to know if the property the government owns is damaged. Yeah, well, I mean, not just casual like that, but also like, I mean, if he's got an infection or something like that, like I'm just as a human being, I'm going to be like, hey, go see a corpsman. Yeah, so this looks like it could probably use... A little bit of attention from a corpsman. He says, I'll, I'll get it checked out. The necklace he puts in there, again, has a little bit of weight to it. It probably has the weight of about two to three nickels. Like solid silver? Maybe. You'd have to give it a better look. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do that here in front of him. Like right now, I'm looking out for this kid. I'm not going to put the necklace in my report immediately. I'm going to go over and talk to that restaurant staff guy at some point. And when I do, I'm going to pretty much just say, oh, he got this on accident. That's my intention. And be like, oh, I'm going to you know, I'm going to give it back to him. But before I do that, I'll, I'll probably end up in the car taking a look at it and seeing if there's anything gang related. Gang related is out the window really as soon as you look at it. Can I look at it when I'm in the car? You can. Absolutely. So the symbol almost looks technical or maybe religious, but you don't see anything gang related. So I'm looking at a bunch of shapes 
a bunch of little circles and lines. Some of the circles have lines between them. Some of them are inside squares or semicircles. At the ends of some of these lines are either tiny little circles or triangles. You're right. It does look like some weird engineering diagram. Ah, it's weird. I don't know what this is. Could be um, a technical symbol. It could be some sort of weird Eastern religion you don't know. Hard to say. Santeria? Maybe? I'm going to take notes on that, and I'm going to sketch that onto my little green notepad that I have, just so that maybe if it comes up, if it's important, I can maybe run it through an expert or ask somebody about it. But really, this just looks like some trinket. Then I'm trying to keep my dude out of trouble. So I'm going to see if I can get it back to its its owner without causing this kid more trouble than he's already in. Okay. Yeah, so he mentioned going to Ocean Blue Seafood Restaurant. Uh, that would probably be where you'd find Joel, you think? At least it's a first, likely the first place of contact. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be in there at this time of day. I don't know how the hours of this restaurant. I don't know if they do breakfast seafood, but they could be doing prep for the day, bringing in the product and stuff. So it might be worth uh, swinging by. Uh, It's 95. I don't have a cell phone, do I? Do I got like a little Nokia? What do I got? Yeah, you probably have a cell phone. You probably have a Nokia or something to that effect. I do, but I don't have a way of knowing what the phone number for this place is unless I have a yellow pages on me. That's right. You could call the operator and try them. Or you could just drive by there. It's not terribly far. I'm just going to drive by. I'm hungry anyways. I'll stop by. So we'll say it's a little bit before 11 o'clock when you stop by. There aren't a ton of cars in the parking lot. It does look like this place probably gets local business from people who drive around the area. There's a couple of apartment blocks not terribly far from here. There's small businesses in a strip mall not far. There's a restaurant sort of adjacent to this. But yeah, other than that, the area is mostly undeveloped. Well, I'm just going to check out the area for a little bit, sitting in the car. I am seeing if there's cars in the parking lot, seeing where the license plates are from. If they're a Virginia local or if they're from somewhere else. I mean, it's Norfolk. We get license plates from all over the country. There's one car in the parking lot area. It's a late, probably mid to late 80s Jag. An XK. Oh, nice. Use Jag, probably. It's gray. There's a uh, blonde woman getting out of it. She walks into the restaurant. Uh, they got hours posted or something. I'm going to go ahead and get out of my vehicle and go walk up to the door at the restaurant looking for hours, stuff like that. They open at 11. At 11? What time is it now? It's just before. I mean, the door itself is open, so. I mean, I'm going to go inside. If they got a problem, I'll just be like, oh, hey, no worries. I'm not necessarily here to eat. Hey, look at my shiny badge. You walk in. This blonde woman that walked in a little bit before you has... A large order, it looks like she's picking up. There's an awful lot of people that she intends to feed. Probably three or four bags. All right, I'm going to go to the front counter and I'm going to pocket a handful of free mints. You dig in. About 30 seconds after your fingers are done adjusting the new bulge in your pocket, 
from the mints. You see a uh, middle-aged man with a slight goatee, long hair that's tied up and in a hairnet, blue shirt, blue jeans with a faded yellow apron on. I'm going to say, hey, are you Joel? You know Joel? Yeah, I'm Joel. You're Joel. Hey, Joel. Hey, reach out, shake my hand, offer him my card. My name's Brett Hawking, NCIS. I heard you had an incident with a sailor a couple of nights ago, Tuesday night. Police got involved. I'm just here to follow up on it, you know, because he's active and get your side of it and all that kind of stuff. Do you got a couple of minutes or um, you about to hit the lunch rush? I understand. No, we got, I got I got a minute or two to talk. Um, what's good here? Crawfish. Mind if I put an order in? No, no, no. I go right ahead. What do you want? Whatever you recommend. I trust you implicitly. You get three things uh, that he writes down for you. You get crawfish, steamed crabs, and then fried crabs. And then, yeah, while we're just waiting for all that to, you know, come over and get all boxed up and everything. Yeah, I'm just gonna be like, go ahead. If you got a moment, please tell me what happened from your perspective there. I understand there was a Garcia. He was here with his uh, fiance. And I gave a physical description of the two individuals. I said, um, if you recall the incident, can you fill me in on your side of the events? He tells you a very similar story that Garcia told you, but with obviously a few changed perspectives. So you get a little bit more back history on Megan and Joel than you quite frankly probably need. He tells you that they were high school sweethearts, that they dated for two or three years, and that she left him for Garcia. And she left him after Joel proposed, and she said no. And so Joel seems pretty broken up about the entire thing still, at least internally a little bit. He's moved on to, you know, greener pastures, what with all of the crawfish, etc. But he says that Garcia obviously came out swinging first and that all he was really trying to do was just say hello to an old friend who he only sees every now and again because most times when they come in he's cooking him back I talked to Officer Garcia yeah he expressed remorse for the incident I want you to know that we take the incident seriously his chain of command takes the incident seriously he has been instructed to give your place a wide berth Hopefully, this is where this story ends. I did have one thing. Uh, he grabbed this in the in the heat of the scuffle, and he wanted me to... And I'm just going to straight out fucking lie. He wanted me to uh, bring this uh, back to you. He was apologetic, and I'll, I got the evidence bag, and I'll just toss him the... Uh, now that I got a sketch of the... you know, So I know what it is. So, uh, Brett, I'd like you to give me a persuade roll to see how effective you are at telling this. Yeah, six under 50. He looks at the pendant for a second and then nods and takes it back. And you see him in a single smooth motion, throw it back over his head and then tuck it into his shirt. And he said, I, uh, I appreciate that. I've been missing it. I do want you to know, and you have my number, that if our young GM2 comes back by again and does anything else other than apologize to you, you feel free to give my office a call, give me a call, and we will follow up on this. I appreciate that. Your order's up. 
Yeah, I'm bringing that shit back to work. You uh, head out from Ocean Blue and head back towards your car, and you see a unmarked car parked next to yours. Like in this entire parking lot of empty spaces, this car is chosen to park next to mine. Yep. Okay, well, I'm going to be observant as I walk up. I'm noting make, model, is there somebody in the vehicle, what kind of license plate it might have as I'm going to my vehicle. You know, I'm not immediately like uber suspicious, but this is just a process that I go through when somebody does something specific. I have government license plates, all right? So they know I'm a government vehicle. So, yeah, I like to know who likes to park next to government vehicles preferentially. Yeah, so... There's nobody inside the vehicle. It's a gray Caprice Classic sedan circa 88, 89. It's probably five or six years old at this point. Okay. Do I see anything as I walk towards my car door and I'm peeking in their vehicle? No, I mean, there's not even anything inside the vehicle that's readily apparent, right? There's no briefcase in the back. There's no jacket hanging up. It doesn't even look like the ashtray's open. So do I only notice this thing because it's this piece of shit's parked next to my piece of shit? That's correct. Okay. It's weird, but people are weird. If I don't notice anything else unusual, then I'm just going to get in my vehicle and I'm going to go. You get in your vehicle and you go. How does Brett spend the rest of his day sans the crab experience, which is phenomenal, by the way? I got a report to write. I'm going to pretty much recommend that GM2 made a dumb fuck mistake. We're going to keep an eye on him, see if his name pops up on any other incidences. We're going to report back to base PD pretty much what we found, that it appears to be, you know, a domestic disturbance, people that knew each other, and some lovers spat, quarrel, drama, love triangle kind of bullshit. I'm not really going to recommend a follow-up on it at this point, unless either one of those two individuals pop up on my radar again. I mean, now that I got Joel's information, just out of due diligence, I'll probably run him just to see if he has a record. So that would probably be bureaucracy. You find something that you are not expecting. So Joel is somebody who, right after high school, he was put into supervised care after he graduated high school because he was not fit to mentally be on his own. You begin unraveling a little bit more about Joel. His last name is Witten. And Mr. Witten's record also includes several sealed minor records, which you don't have the authority right now to get into. Okay, so I'm looking at his record. He has several sealed juvenile offenses. I'm going to just go ahead and assume drugs at this point. And he was considered medically, mentally unfit to arrange his own affairs. Yep. And this was around the time that he reached the age of majority. Yep. And But now he's how old? He's probably 25, 26. Well, that's a pretty good turnaround. And now he's owning or operating a restaurant? Yep. Yeah, whatever youth program they had him in really, really did wonders. I think the bigger portion of the report that you get on his adult life as it were is 
after age 19 or 20, things start to sort of fall in line. You can see a lot of the business records that get spun up for him or are submitted for him to the system are, I guess the best way to say it would be is that they, all of the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. You don't find anything irregular, which is part of the curious point for you because nobody is that good. Like he applied for and got loans that are in excess of fifty dollars to $150,000 that someone of his age, station, class, let's be honest, ethnicity would never be able to get a hold of without some serious strings being pulled. Does he have a cosigner? He does, but you can't make out the name on the paperwork, like the actual signature. It starts with an M, whatever it is. Okay. Well, that's weird. But maybe, I mean, it could also be well-connected family, rich uncle, something like that. Could be, yeah. Okay, I'm noting that in my notes that I use to write my report. I don't think my superiors are going to give a shit about that, but I think it's interesting and it might come up in the future. You spend the rest of the day and a little bit of the light evening finishing up all these reports. When you get to your vehicle, your government vehicle, and begin to head home, you're going to give me an alertness roll. I will not drive my government vehicle home. I will leave my government vehicle in the motor pool. I will drive my own vehicle home. Fantastic. Do that then. Okay. And I an alertness roll? One under 50. So it, it isn't more than probably three or four blocks before when you leave the office that you realize you're being tailed. And you realize from the headlights, it's likely a police vehicle that's tailing you. Okay. Well, then I'm going to stop for gas, even though I have three quarters of a tank. Okay. At a well-lit gas station. You pull over and you stop at a gas station. You stop at a gas station that allows you to get a, a good sight line on the vehicle that is behind you, but... Even with the alertness critical, you don't quite get the exact color. You think it's a gray, maybe a dark gray. But the car that was trailing you stays out of that light. It actually merges into a different lane to attempt to use the differences in light and traffic to keep you from noticing. I'm going to go inside and get a snack from the gas station and kill a little bit of time and see if they make a decision or a choice or change their behavior in any way. So, you know, a good five, seven minutes grabbing some jelly beans and a package of chili Fritos. You uh, have some fun in the snack aisle and after a few minutes don't see them return. I mean, I'm in the snack aisle, but I'm, like, looking out the windows of the convenience store. And they don't reappear. So have they moved on from the area? I mean, looking out the gas station windows, you don't see them. Then I'll go ahead and get in my vehicle and while staying as aware as I can. But imagining that maybe I just, it was a coincidence, I will proceed home. What kind of place do you and your fiancé live in? House, apartment, condo? 
we want a house. It's a two bedroom apartment right now. So we have our bedroom and then we use the other one for her home office. You know, it's not bad. But yeah, no, it's a two bedroom with a decent living room, you know, second story apartment. We have laundry in unit. There's a pool. You uh, pull up to the condo. I assume there's probably parking. Yeah, we have we have a spot we, we purchased. So we have our own spot. You have a spot. You pull into it. You get out. You can still sort of smell the fried crab on you. It was a really good lunch. You step out of the vehicle and you instantly are aware that someone's standing in the car park. It's an apartment complex, but yeah. Okay, so it's somebody standing in the car park. Yeah. Okay. What do I notice about them? Uh, it's a man, roughly 5'11", maybe six foot, hard to tell from this distance. They're about 25 feet away. They're standing in a corner of the car park. So when you pull in, they have their back basically to a portion of the car park, which is omitted from the overhead lights that are in that space. So they have a little bit of visual cover. They are military haircut or some sort of law enforcement haircut, a very tight and close and they're wearing a gray suit and a dark jacket that's three-quarter length, do you think? They're wearing a suit, like me, yeah. at this time of the evening. Yeah, I'll pull a cigarette out, and I'll ask them from a distance if they have a lighter. They begin walking towards you at a, um, we'll just say, a generous pace. They are not running or jogging. They're not stalking you, but they're taking very determined footsteps. You can hear what sounds like fairly expensive shoes clicking off the pavement here in the parking lot. I have a lighter. I asked for a light anyways. They stop. I also have my gun in my holster, but I don't have my hand on it. They produce a lighter. You hear the click of a Zippo and then the strike of the wheel. And the flint. Do I notice anything about the Zippo? A lot of Navy people, it's, you know, they have special lighters that have like seals on them from their ship or anything like that. Or it's just a plain silver lighter. Actually, this one's black. It's matte black. He produces the light and you see his face. You see a, a man in his mid 40s, maybe late 40s, black, but with some graying hair, clean shaven. He has either blue or dark brown eyes. It's hard to tell in the lighting here. He's very well put together physically. He's not by any means any sort of massive man. He's likely in shape. And just by the way he moves, he's in law enforcement. I'm intrigued, but I'm going to go ahead and say, were you visiting in this complex? He gestures to you with the light. You said you needed a light. Yeah. Yeah, I light my cigarette. He produces a cigarette of his own and lights it. Snaps click the Zippo. I'm here to visit you. Oh. Oh, then you have me at a disadvantage. Who are you? He reaches into his jacket and slowly produces a identification billfold. And he opens it up and shows it to you. And you see that his identification and badge denote him as a member of the FBI. Agent Dunn, FBI. 
Okay. So why are you talking to me in my apartment complex's parking lot at night and not in the office? Because what I need to talk to you about, we can't talk about in the office. I'll go ahead and sit on the hood of my car. He steps a little closer. Seemingly non-threatening physical presence. He doesn't get too close to you. He sort of walks around the proverbial bubble that all of us have. He doesn't want to get close, it seems. Oh, and I appreciate that. Like, I'm, I'm perceiving that modicum of respect and I'm appreciating that because like it's super fucking creepy what you're doing right now but I'm not going to say that out loud you were at a restaurant today a very particular one okay are you following me you spoke with Joel Witten the owner of the restaurant yeah it's just small shit how much do you know about Joel Witten I know jack shit about Joel other than what he has in his file. Seemed like he was pretty fucked up as a kid and then got better real quick. Let me enlighten you. He uh, reaches into the right side of his coat and produces a folded up piece of paper. It's folded vertically. And it looks like there's a couple pieces of paper there. He hands them over to you. Okay, I'll take a look at the bullshit he just passed me. So you see a picture on that front page that is of a 10 to 12 year old kid. Oh, it's like a newspaper clipping? No, this is like a record of something. Uh, The top of it says psychological evaluation. And you see a picture of a young kid and you see the name is Joseph Witten, age 12. And you begin to see a, a read through a rather high-level overview of Joseph's issues, which are manic depressive swings, which are multiple personality disorder. They list a ton of people who, quote-unquote, are inside Joseph. They list his faces, for lack of a better term. And when they list them and then go through all of the inciting incidents, right? So he evidently, at a very early age, attacked his mother with a cleaver, and had to be medically induced at a local facility to get his rage under control. He had huge rage issues, it seems, as a young child. You hear, as you're sort of taken out of the immediate gathering of information that your eyes are doing, you hear a a pull on the cigarette from Agent Dunn, and he says, Joseph wasn't a very nice boy. He had a lot of problems in and out of foster care two or three times, all because of some sort of internal problem he has. Around about 16, Joseph turns his name to Joel. He wants everyone to call him Joel because Joel is the one who's won the battle inside. It's there in some of the later records. Seems that Joel dealt with all of the other people inside of him in some way, shape, or form. But it gets weirder from there. Joel ends up attending church, a series of evangelical tent revivals in southern Georgia when he's 17. He's overcome by a spirit, he says, one that completely and utterly rearranges how he thinks. 
you're going through the file and you can see that the third page here is an excerpt of, of something. And it talks in great detail in first person account of how the Lord spoke to him directly and showed him the way that was proper to act. And it looks like the writing of a madman. Oh, really? I will take this into account. I mean, he's local PD's problem. If he's a threat beyond that, then this is really your jurisdiction. You had your hands on the evidence. Evidence of what? It's on the paperwork right there. Okay, I look at the paperwork. What do I see? The final page of the paperwork is scribbling, mostly. It looks like board art at first. Starts at the top of the page. And slowly as it works its way down, you begin to see circles and squares come together. Iterations of symbols that you'd seen previously. And then by the end of the page, has not only has the handwriting changed, but the symbology has finally come together. And you begin to see that pattern over and over that's present on the necklace. Okay, yeah, I take my notes out and I compare the two. They're exactly the same. I mean, it's fucking weird. Are you saying that Garcia's in danger? I'm saying the stuff that needs to happen when it comes to Joel is complex. What I'm looking for is a bit of assistance that isn't local PD because we want to keep eyes on Joel. And since Garcia is already part of the mix, he'd be doing us a favor by doing that. Yeah, what's a favor worth? Look could be worth all sorts of stuff. Did he give me his business card? Nope. What are you asking for exactly? We think Joel is due for an issue. Totally self-created on his own. We need to make sure that if it happens, we have someone in the area that can deal with the problem. He passes you a photograph. It looks like a woman's shoulder. On that picture of this woman's shoulder and collarbone, you see indentations fingerprints and there is no denying the curly hair that's attached to the shoulders oh it's that girl mm-hmm. oh dip these were taken Tuesday night by local PD look real close alright what am I looking at what am I seeing when you look very closely at the thumbprint that's there you can see the imprint of this symbol on the thumb the dude pressed the jewelry into the skin on her back. Is that what I'm seeing? That's about the only conclusion you could come to. Okay. Uh, it's fucking weird. So you don't think Joel's done with this incident and is not done with Garcia? Okay. Yeah, no, that's justification enough to keep an eye on him. Why aren't we doing this in the office? Because once you do enough research on what that symbol is, the office won't touch it. Tell me, how familiar are you with demons? So, thank you so much for joining us on this episode, where we delved into our final prelude for Delta Green and some of the enjoyable experiences we all have to look forward to. Thank you and good night.